the United States of Horror may contain some graphic or explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. <laughs> We're I, waiting for each other to talk. and I guess so. No way I beat you to it. Thanks. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Jeffrey. What are we? The United, United States, States of Horror. horror. <laughs> We're so cool, guys. Oh, goodness. Our ever-changing intro. Sorry, I was getting a, a law for you guys for later. Oh. I do, I'm doing last-minute research. Thank you. That's fine. Someone has to do it, right? Somebody has to. Someone has to do everything. Speaking oh, of which, Kaylee, yeah. um, can you do everything for me this weekend? Because uh, I cannot. <laughs> I failed. Usually I can. We'll see. Okay, so we had a couple of different stories, and Kaylee's was a good one. So I think we're going to stick with her awesome story this week, and we'll see how it goes. And I think it's going to be an interesting one. I don't think I'm going to have as much as you're expecting. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, because I could have gone way more in depth. However, some of the details are like not confirmed if that makes sense yeah so i didn't it's a lot and you'll understand once i start to explain well if it's the person i'm thinking about then i kind of already re- did research but i deleted the research <laughs> i don't know why because uh i thought we weren't going to do this yet <laughs> and i don't know I'm, so I'm you just... deleted it well you yeah. save it for later well, I didn't know if you wanted to, you know, do it yourself. Like, would you rather trust my research, guys, or Kaylee's research? And there's your answer. <laughs> Took a good two seconds. Oh, goodness gracious. But yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, where are we going today, Kaylee? So we're going to be in New York. New York? Yeah, New York. By the Big Apple? It is the Big Apple. There's, You know, there's more than a city. It's a state, you know. What? 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 New York is a state? You'd actually be surprised. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> they think it's just some little area. I'm like, uh, actually, south is where New York City is. And then there's like a yeah. big chunk of land up there. In North you, you forget my former boss lived there, so I know a lot about it. New York, New Jersey, and from all those people. New Jersey is different from New York. They're all the same. No, the same you language. can't do Come on. There goes all of our Jersey and New York people. They hate being compared. Uh, it's like the Giants and the Jets are the same. <gasps> <laughs> now you're really just trying to piss him <laughs> now, off. Now I'm pushing it. I, pushing even I know it. that's a big He thing. doesn't mean it, guys. Okay. Uh, I really don't care about those teams anyway. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Oh, wait. No, them. Sorry. They're doing really good. <laughs> We're halfway through Nove- November. 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 We're getting ready for one of my favorite holidays. Thanksgiving. Yes. So it goes uh, Halloween, Christmas, and Thanksgiving. <laughs> In that order. In that order. Nice. And then every other holiday is like, okay. Yeah. So I cannot wait to stuff my face. Oh, yeah. That's going to be nice. So hopefully everyone enjoys their stuffing face day. <laughs> yeah and uh how we have a patreon so while you're eating your awesome turkey and stuff hopefully <laughs> you can uh, check out our patreon subscribe and listen to our bonus content and, and episodes and stuff shameless plugging 
yeah. already. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I try to do it, you know. Yeah. Throughout the entirety. You see, I'm the adorable one. Oh, and I'm the yeah. beautiful, amazing one. So they mm. love listening to me. And they want to listen to more of me. So check us out on Patreon. And what am I? You're the brains and the smarts and the uh, oh. talent. The same, I said oh. the same two things. Okay. But, yeah. but okay. Yes. I'm just one of those things. You're you're smart and yeah. Anyway. Okay. No. <laughs> we'll but talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Please don't beat me. <laughs> But yeah, seriously, check us out. Uh, we have some interesting episodes. Just throwing it out there, this is the second to last episode before we've made our first pass through the United States. Are you sure that we have like three more? I, I don't know. I thought it was just New York, and then there's then we do Virginia. Oh, we can't say it, huh? Oh, is there more? I got Delaware, Virginia, and Massachusetts. Oh, I lied. Okay, so we have three more. After this one. Mm-hmm. Plus our, um, we, we could do a season finale, and we can do a special one maybe for Christmas. Well, I'm thinking, I, I forgot I was going to tell you, I was thinking about what we could do for a fun finale. Really? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it later. Okay, though. we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Even I'm surprised, guys, so don't miss it. It's a really good one. I cannot wait. I I think it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of research, though. So you're going to have your night worked out. You're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun together. This is going to be amazing. Yes. <laughs> so I now that we got our plugs in. Yes. Let's get busy in New York. New York. Oh, we're just jumping into it. Not the old York, but the New York. New York. How about New New York as in Futurama? What? New New York? The New New York. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm oh, sorry, guys. I'm a little cartoon nerd. Futurama and you oh, know, <laughs> cartoon nerd. No, is that a thing? Well, yeah. I grew up on South Park and Futurama. Oh, and yeah. I guess I I did too. I didn't know that was like called cartoon nerd. Well, I'm an animation nerd. Ah, there got it, it is. Okay. Not really an adult. I mean, animation, it's the same thing. Adult animation nerd. Okay. So, okay. Enough about me, guys. More about <laughs> who our topic is. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Anyway. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. My brain just like melted. I'm going to be talking about Richard Kuklinski. Yeah. Yeah. Also known as yes, the Iceman. So, Not Chuck Liddell. No. Who? Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell. Chuck. I said Chunk Lindell. Chunk. Chuck Lindell. He's a UFC fighter. I believe oh. that's how you say his name. I liked watching him because that's like the Iceman. That was always so cool. And he was just like, oh, is always... he called the Iceman? Yeah, that's his nickname. I didn't. I've never followed UFC. Yeah, and then I, I heard about that, so I looked up Iceman. You want to know something funny? What? I always thought it was too violent. Well, yeah. And then I, mean, I watched like horror, like serial I, killer documentaries. Yeah. It's pretty I don't weird. Understand. It's pretty funny. You can't watch this horrible stuff. You're watching Dragon Ball Z. Where they're like <laughs> ripping each other's hearts out and stuff. But for some reason, I can't handle UFC. I don't like watching it. I like watching it because otherwise I have to do it. It makes me sad. Yeah, they get paid to it's fight like, each stop other. Stop hurting. Not very much. Oh, they get Not paid more than us. <laughs> well, maybe. They get paid. Maybe if, some of if them. If you get paid more than $50 million 
in like two fights. Well, probably the big names, but I don't know. It's been like a controversy that they don't get paid that much. Uh, or paid um, that well. Anyway, that's anyway. we're not a wrestling or UFC podcast, so we're not getting into that. Any of these ring with a chair. You could go listen to Joe Rogan or actually Steve-O's podcast. Steve-O, Ta- yeah. They talk a lot about UFC. But this is how I first learned about him is I looked up the Iceman because I want to know more about the UFC fighter. Yeah. Right? And then this guy, this murderer comes up. I'm like, what? 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 Interesting. Yeah. So. That's why my first time into him. So here you go. Without further ado, guys. Yeah. So a little bit about him, um, which there wasn't a whole lot, honestly. But what I did find is that he was born on April 11th of 1935. Um, and he was an American murderer and hitman. Mm-hmm. He was given the nickname the Iceman by authorities after they discovered that he had frozen the body of one of his victims in an attempt to disguise the time of death, which is. That's awesome. I, I, this you, guy, I mean, this guy you're going to fall in love with, but hate. You love to hate him. Just like the Joker. Just like the Joker. <laughs> so his life story was typical, uh, was that of a typical old school Irish Catholic family upbringing. Um, he exhibited cruelty to animals as a young boy, killing neighborhood cats by tying their tails together with a rope and throwing them over clotheslines to watch them tear each other apart. Yeah. Uh, so I take back the love part. I just, I just hate him. You hate him? That is horrendous. Well, yeah, as a child he was bad, but he eventually grew up into be a mass murdering hitman. Much better. Much better. At least not hurting animals. He probably still was. Probably. He's a psychopath. Anyway, sorry, guys. (laughs) So other times he would throw living cats into basement incinerators, watching through the thick glass oven doors as the terrified feline ran around until consumed by fire. I hate him so much. I literally don't. I (sighs) I know. We had a little silent moment while Kaylee was getting angry. I agree. Now that I'm a cat dad. I have to like. I can't think about this too hard, or I will literally start crying. I'm not kidding. Kuklinski would sometimes fantasize about murdering his father, and he was, when he was torturing stray dogs he captured around his hometown neighborhood. He never got to murder his father, though, which sad. Aw. Just kidding. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know if you have the history of him, his father, and stuff. No. Well. But apparently, he like beat him and his whole family. You know, the typical Catholic Irish. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds messed up, but well, especially back then. You know, in the whole you know right after the twenties and thirties and forties. Yeah. It was really hard. So, I actually saw a documentary about that where they think it was from him. All this was happening from. Mm, it stemmed from the abuse that he endured. Yeah. Got it. Um, I guess I skip through all of that and just go to his first kill. <laughs> it's all right. So the first kill, Kuklinski claimed that he committed his first murder in 1949 at the age of 13 or 14 using a closet clothes hanging rod to bludgeon a neighborhood boy who had bullied and teased him. 
He said he immediately ran back to his apartment, and though the boy's body was discovered soon afterwards, the police never connected the murder to him. The story has been told a few different ways now, and we don't know the true way. So that's the thing, too, about this guy is there's a lot of stories that he tells, and it's hard to say whether there's a lot of truth to them to them or not. Yeah, especially when he says a story, and then when his neighbor says a story, and when his it's never corroborated people. very well. Yeah. Um. So some of it is is factual, and they were able to find bodies and stuff. We'll get into it, but yeah. When that documentary I saw, he he came back to his dad, and mm-hmm. his dad beat the crap out of him for getting beat up and he made him go take care of it oh and that's what i was that's why one of the stories that you know i heard i don't know know if it was true or not so yeah interesting so kuklinski stated that his first murder victim was a man he had argued with in a bar whom he beat to death with a pool cue kuklinski lived oh so that's his first actual. Yeah. Oh, that's so confusing. I don't know why my notes are so choppy. Wow. Did you steal from me or something? I might have. Maybe this is what you sent me. I know I did send you one that I was working on. So hopefully this is my full notes then. Yay. Uh, Kuklinski lived with his wife and children in the New Jersey suburb, suburb of Dumont He was quite abusive with them and had a split personality they were afraid of. He was faithful and he was not a womanizer. And if anybody talked bad about his family, he taught them a lesson. So he was oddly defensive of his family despite being abusive. Yeah, and that's what I heard a lot of. If anyone had an issue with cheating or anything like in a bar, a guy talked about it. Yeah. He beat the crap out of them, too. So, I mean, he had some moral standards. <laughs> and that's why, like, his dad, um, they said that he did sexual things with him and his family. Uh... And that also he was beat up. So he had a little bit of his dad in him. But mm-hmm. he didn't want to go that far. That's why only he was allowed to do it. No one else. So he was a real piece of yeah caca. <laughs> that word again. But only he was allowed to do it. Yeah. You can't, so. you can't do this to my wife. Only I can. So Kuklinski was engaged in criminal activities for most of his adult life. He bought and sold stolen goods, ran a burglary and car theft ring, and was also linked to narcotics dealing, pornography, arms dealing, and money laundering. So nothing of true, like, what am I trying to say? Nothing too much felonious-wise. No, no. Like, he wasn't doing things right. He didn't believe in the 9 to 5. He just went straight into all the criminal activities that could, you know, he could, essentially. Yeah, he wanted easy money, quick money, and he didn't care about the law. (sighs) So he was once arrested for passing a bad check, the only crime he was charged with prior to his arrest for murder. Isn't that funny? Yeah. That's insane. Out of everything you just read, that's the only thing he got in trouble for. Yeah. So, he did terrible things, but I guess he did them well. <laughs> um, 
He was photographed and fingerprinted, but the charges were dropped when he agreed to pay back the money owed. Kuklinski said he he supplemented his income by working as a freelance contract killer. So from car theft and pornography dealing to contract killing, (laughs) he did it all. Yeah, and uh, you'll probably figure out why he's so good at everything soon. I hope so. Don't set them set me up for failure. He also alleged that he worked as a hitman for the mafia and that he was a participant in several famous mafia killings, including the murders of mob bosses Paul Castellan- Cast- Castellano mm-hmm. and Carmen Galante. And Teamsters president Jimmy Hoffa, which is a big name that you probably recognize. These claims are considered dubious by law enforcement and mob experts. So there's not a substantial amount of evidence that can link him to those those killings. But so he was really started low with the mob. mm -hmm. And he whenever the boss talks to him, like, what do you do for a living? I want to kill people. So. Um, I don't know if I, was, if I were you, but if I'm a mob, if you got told your mob boss, uh-huh. I'm going to kill people. Do you think <laughs> that would be a good choice? Uh... Especially if you do it good. I don't think he would send an amateur to go after target high targets like that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He probably was lying about a couple of them. Yeah. So to this day, it's unknown if he ever truly committed those murders. Yeah. Which is that whole situation is really messed up. I don't know if you, you, any of you guys know, or if you know Kaylee, but there's a lot of different mafia and mob gang wars going on at once. Yeah. So. Well, the, and I feel like there's a lot of people trying to claim. Especially Hoffa and stuff. Hoffa and, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that make false confessions, which doesn't, I mean, it, whatever, it's some weird mindset of wanting to be infamous and known or whatever i don't know it's weird yeah i don't get it but it happens quite often so in the early 1980s kuklinski became acquainted with another killer named robert prong sometimes spelled prongay Prong was referred to by Kuklinski as Mr. Softy, as he used to drive a Mr. Softy ice cream truck to appear inconspicuous while surveilling potential victims, which is messed up. I almost feel like we should have written, written about something him? about him because that's cool. I could see you doing that. Frosty? Yeah. Just riding an ice cream truck around. Well, my ice cream place I always went to was called Tasty Freeze. <laughs> and once in a while they have people, Mr. Freeze and stuff. So I'm like, Batman, Mr. Freeze. Go to Mr. <laughs> Freeze ice cream. and So so Prong claimed to be a special forces, a special forces veteran and an explosive expert. He knew much about poison and taught Kuklinski how to use cyanide as a murder weapon. One one of his favorite methods was to put cyanide into a nasal spray bottle and squirt an unsuspecting target. Like Febreze. That is messed up. (laughs) Kind of. What is messed up? But imagine like, oh, look, a speck. Oh, my Imagine just walking down the road or like minding minding your own business and someone puts some nasal spray up your nose and 
And it's like cyanide. Before and you stuff, could yeah. even think about it, like before you could react, just all of a sudden nasal spray, and you're like, uh. Yeah, and you're just like, ah, cyanide. Ah. <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't know right away what it was. I know, probably not. But still, you're like, why does it burn? What did you do? And he just like laughs and walks away. That's crazy. Crazy. Kakunski said they carried out a number of murders together and that it was Prong's suggestion to freeze the body of Luis Masque to see if the time of death could be disguised. The two men fell out when Prong allegedly asked Kaklinski to murder his ex-wife and son. Kaklinski refused. He also took exception when he learned of Prong's plans to poison an entire reservoir with Rissin just to kill one family. So he had some kind of moral standards. Like I it's said, it's really weird whenever he had high standards when it came to family. If someone yeah. messed with any of the family, he would go after them or he wouldn't do it. It's just like, I don't know. Um, what is it? The I never remember his name, but the Dark Knight shooting. The Dark Knight Killer. Oh, yeah. The Aurora shooting. He he was like, he didn't give a, a rat's ass about any of the adults that he killed. But whenever he found out that he had killed someone who was younger, it like devastated him. He was like really upset about that. He didn't want to kill anybody who was young. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but you're still taking someone's life. So how can you have certain exceptions to whatever messed up rules you have in your head about killing. It just doesn't make sense to me. (sighs) Yeah. So, or like, um, Ted Bundy, even like he's a big name. So I, I know everybody knows who he is, but they think that there are some murders that he he would never admit to because of how young they were. Oh yeah. Because he got caught with that one. Yeah. And those are the ones that he refused. Like, yeah. Yeah. Profusely. So, anyway. Some some people's standards. uh, Strange. So, during an argument that followed, Prong told Kuklinski that he knew where he lived and threatened his family. On August 10th of 1984, Prong was found dead in his Mr. Softy truck with two bullet wounds to his chest. I'll take two scoops of bullets, please. At the time of his death, Prong was due to appear in court for an aggravated assault charge against his ex-wife and son. Investigators later stated that they regarded Kuklinski as the prime suspect for Prong's murder, but decided not to file charges as by then he had already been convicted of other murders. So, uh, just them trying to save money. Yeah. Essentially. And they're probably like, well, it was a good thing. The cops were probably really kind of horrible with this. And the prosecution team is kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, you should do it anyway. Yeah. Because their family deserves justice. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, he kind of Even though it he's anyway. a bad person. Like, anyway, it doesn't matter. On February 1st of 1980, Kuklinski and a business associate named George Malaband were driving to New York after an argument. Um, New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. We're driving to New Jersey after an argument during which Malaband threatened Kuklinski's family. Kuklinski suddenly brought the van to a stop. 
Without warning, he pulled out a 38 revolver from his pocket and shot Maliband in the chest five times, killing him. Kuklinski later said that killing Maliband was due to business. So, reportedly, Maliband was carrying $27,000 at the time. His body was found a few days later near Chemitex Chemical Plant in Jersey City. It had been stuffed into a 55-gallon drum and rolled to the bottom of a palisade. Palisade? What is that? Palisade? Like a like a low dump area. Oh, okay. Kuklinski had cut the tendons of Maliban's legs in order to force it into the barrel. Ugh. That just makes me sick to think about. He's smart, man. Uh, sadistic he, is more he, like he it. He took care of business. <laughs> you have to admit, he, he had a double whammy. He got the money and killed the person who was selling his family. He probably was just going to rough him up. Maybe, you know, beat him up. Just take the money. But as soon as he's like, oh, I'm coming for a family. He's like, nope. Listen here. Done. <laughs> Consider those kneecaps severed. Oh, jeez. So this was actually the first murder to be directly linked to Kuklinski. As Maliban's brother told police that he had been on his way to meet with him the day he disappeared. So in 1982... Iceman met Paul Hoffman, a 51-year-old pharmacist who occasionally frequented the store in Peterson, New Jersey. A storefront front with a large back room where a wide variety of stolen items could be bought and sold. So it was like something of a black market. Yeah. <laughs> Hoffman would have the Iceman sell drugs and medicine and make deals. On the afternoon of April 29th of 1982, Hoffman and Kuklinski met a, at a warehouse leased by Kuklinski. Hoffman brought $25,000 in cash with him to purchase the medicine. After Hoffman gave him the money, Kuklinski told him that the deal was a ruse. Kuklinski placed the barrel of his pistol under Hoffman's chin and pulled the trigger. The shot only wounded Hoffman, so Kuklinski tried to shoot him again, only for the gun to jam. He then resorted to killing Hoffman by beating him to death with a tire iron. Savage. The man was already shot point blank with a freaking gun. And he's alive. And he's like, oh, this gun didn't work. Oh, look, a tire iron. How oh, lucky. gosh, that's so brutal. And like the Joker, he beat him with the <laughs> with Robin. And yeah, never mind. <laughs> okay, Jeffy. Those comic nerds will love that reference. Sure. Um, maybe. Come here, little Robin. Bap, 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 whack, whack. Kuklinski placed Hoffman's corpse inside a 50-gallon drum, filled the drum with instant cement, and brazenly left it on the sidewalk outside a motel behind a luncheonette called Harry's Corner in South Hackensack, New Jersey. Which, I mean, honestly, if you see a 55-gallon drum, well, n people like me will think there's a body in there. But most normal people, it just blends in with the background. You yeah, know what I mean? It's not... Especially when they go over and they try to move it, it's just full of, like, cement. They're like, oh, it's just a cement thing. Yeah, it's like, ugh, I don't want to move this. You know what I mean? 
So Kuklinski monitored the drum for some time, sitting in Harry's corner every day to listen to for talk amongst the patrons that would indicate the body's discovery. So, I mean, he watched it, but like still just dropping it off. Either really smart or very stupid. <laughs> or maybe a little bit of both. Maybe he liked it. Yeah. So after Kuklinski relayed, related as a... Wait... After what Kuklinski related is a long time, he noticed one day that the drum was no longer there, but could not discern any details about its fate from listening to patrons. Hoffman's body was never recovered. So, essentially, they hauled it off, and that was that. Throw it in the dump. It's okay. I don't want to do it, boss. Make the the dishwasher do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. Uh, By the early 1980s, Kuklinski's burglary gang was coming under more scrutiny from law enforcement. In December of 1982, Percy House, a member of the gang, was arrested. House would later agree to testify against Kuklinski and was placed in protective custody. Ooh, snitches. Yeah, snitches get... Cookies? (laughs) Rewarded. Uh... (laughs) Warrants were also issued for the arrest of two more gang members, Gary Smith and Daniel Deppner. Kuklinski urged them to lie low and rented them a room in the New York in the York Motel in North Bergen, New Jersey. Kuklinski was arraigned and he learned that Smith had left the motel to visit his daughter and also feared that Smith who had recently spoken of giving up crime and going straight might become an informant against him. So Kuklinski, Deppner, and House, who was still in jail at the time, decided that Smith had to be killed. Kuklinski and Deppner therefore fed Smith a hamburger laced with cyanide. That's messed up. I know. That's your friend. (laughs) You trick him with hamburger? That's messed up. Poor Jeff, you would die because oh. you would eat that. You would eat that hamburger so fast. <laughs> I would be like, "Do you have any more?" It takes Jeff like two point five seconds to finish a hamburger. Like, all right, all he needs to do is have a bite, and he'll be dead by morning. I eat the whole thing. He's not dead yet, boys. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Feed him more. Feed him more. Just lace his French fries too. He'll eat those too. These kind of taste funny. Mm, oh well. I need more ketchup. More ketchup. I was just thinking that. <laughs> When Smith took longer to die from the cyanide than Kuklinski expected, Jeffrey, (laughs) he grew impatient and ordered Deppner to strangle Smith with a lamp cord. According to forensic pathologist Michael uh, Baden, Smith's death would have probably been attributed to something non-homicidal in nature, like drug overdose, for instance, had Kuklinski relied solely on the cyanide. However, the ligature mark around Smith's neck and presumably the fact that the body had been deliberately hidden proved to investigators that he was murdered. So. For being a hitman, he finally messed up. He should have just been like, suicide. Suicide. For future reference, just set it up like it's an overdose and they won't expect, suspect anything. Yeah, and then if they have cats, have the cats eat them. Hold on. When Deppner's ex-wife, Barbara, failed to return with a car to remove the body, they placed it between the mattress on the box spring. 
Over the next four days, a number of patrons rented the room, and although they thought the smell in the room was odd, most of them did not think to look under the bed. So, this man's body was decaying in between the mattress and the box spring for separate people. Or not even for a a number. It says a number, so that could be any amount. Multiple individuals slept on that bed with a man decaying underneath the mattress and didn't figure it out. Well, then again, I guess it all depends. <laughs> to me, if my sheet is crumpled up too much, I am so uncomfortable. I yeah. have to fix it. Yeah, especially if you have that one friend. He's like, please sleep in my bed. It's super comfy. And, and you know, Where are you going with this? And you know, no, okay, you know your friend might be the patron is a murderer hitman oh. supposedly like you know he does bad stuff and he's like it smells really bad like a dead body in here and he's like yeah how's the bed <laughs> is it comfy is it cuddling worth i just i don't understand that i guess yeah i don't either finally on december 27th of 1982 after more complaints from guests about the smell the motel manager investigated and found smith's decomposing body imagine being that manager also like, I'm tired of these people complaining. I want to take care of it. I'm just going to prove that it's just a dead rat or something, and oh my gosh, it's a body. <laughs> I would be like, I do not get paid enough for this. I need a raise. I need a vacation. Paid vacation. <laughs> I need to be taken out somewhere, and not like that. <laughs> <laughs> not like this guy was taken out. Ugh. After Smith's murder, Kuklinski moved Deppner to an apartment in Bang- Berg- Bergenfield. Bergenfield, New Jersey, belonging to Rich Patterson, then fiancé of Kuklinski's daughter, Merrick. Patterson was away at the time, but Kuklinski had access to the apartment. At some point between February and May of 1983, Deppner was killed by Kuklinski. Investigators later deduced that he was murdered in Patterson's apartment after finding a blood stain on the carpet. Kuklinski enlisted Patterson's help to dispose of Deppner's body, telling Patterson that the victim was a friend who had been in trouble with the law and that someone must have broken in and killed him over the weekend. No big deal, right? So getting your poor son-in-law in on everything, it's become a family ordeal. Listen, kid, if you want to be like me, I don't want to be like you. You want to be like me, you want to like it. Now if help you me. wish to have my daughter's blessing. <laughs> Why is he a list? You come to me on my daughter's wedding <laughs> and ask me for a favor. No, I'll make you do a favor. Oh. Wow. He added that it was best to dump the body to avoid trouble with the police. After Kuklinski urged Patterson to just for- forget about the incident, Kuklinski made another mistake when he told an associate that he had killed Deppner. Deppner's body was found on May 14th of 1983 when a cyclist riding down Clinton Road in a wooded area of West Milford, New Jersey, spotted the corpse being preyed on by a turkey vulture. <sighs> just like the movies. Hey, turkey, it is kind of Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's relevant. Because it was a vulture eating a body. Oof. Ugh. Kuklinski had wrapped the body inside green garbage bags before dumping it. 
Medical examiners listed Deppner's cause of death as undetermined, although they noted the pinkish spots on the skin, a possible sign of cyanide poisoning, and Deppner had also been strangled. So it sounds like he tries to poison them, but when they don't die, he just, like, gets tired of waiting and strangles them. That's, and see, he started getting worse, getting more sloppy. He just let him die. Just let he him be overdose. Have. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't learn how to do it. I guess not. <sighs> Law enforcement theorized that Deppner must have already been incapacitated, such as by the poison, as he had no defensive wounds, and healthy adult men are rarely killed by strangulation. So it's kind of like a chicken, chicken shit way out of doing it, I guess. Yeah. Or smart, I don't know. <sighs> the medical examiner found that Deppner's stomach was full of undigested food, meaning that he had died shortly after or during a meal. So, I mean, at least he was, like, eating. At least he had the hamburger. I wanted to die stuff. eating, yeah. I think. Sushi. Sushi. So, let me put... <laughs> What what do you want me to put your sushi? Cyanide in my sushi. Or just like shoot me while I'm eating sushi. That's dark. I'm sorry. Arsenic and cyanide in your sushi rolls. In your squid eyes. Yeah. Uh, Suicide murder pack. Uh, What? What? (laughs) I'm just kidding. They don't know yet. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. That's not funny to joke about. Me first, me first. The beans that Deppner had eaten were burned, so they reasoned that it must have been a home-cooked meal, as a restaurant would probably not get away with serving burned food to a customer. I don't know why I felt the need to keep that in, but I did. Uh, Investigators noted that the body had been discovered with uh, just three miles from a ranch where Kuklinski's family often went horseback riding, and Deppner was the third associate of Kuklinski's to have been found dead. On September 25th of 1983, the body of Louis Mazgay was found near a town park off Clausland Mountain Road in Orangetown, New York, with a bullet hole in the back of his head. Finally, he did something right. <laughs> I mean, what? What? <laughs> what? Mazgay had disappeared over two years earlier on July 1st of 1981. See? The day he was due to meet Kuklinski to purchase a large quantity of blank VCR tapes for $100,000. Isn't that crazy? What? Uh, Blank (laughs) VCR. Why? Hey, he wants to record his Barney. He wants to record his Barney, okay? Uh, Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, Kuklinski attempted to disguise Mazgay's time of death by storing his corpse in an industrial freezer for the next two years. So he kept his... Oh, my God. He later said that this was advice from Robert Prong. Prong may also have supplied the freezer Kuklinski used to store Mazgay's body. However, Kuklinski did not allow the body to thaw completely before he dumped it, and he also wrapped it in plastic garbage bags which kept it insulated and partially frozen. So very interesting. The Rockland County Medical Examiner found ice crystals inside the body on a warm September day. Had the body thawed completely before discovery, the medical examiner examiner stated that he probably would have never noticed Kuklinski's trickery. So, yeah. He almost got away with it. (laughs) Almost. Detectives also realized that Masgate was wearing the same clothes his wife and son had said he was wearing the day he disappeared. Uh, 
So the discovery that Kuklinski had frozen Mazge's body is what led authorities to nickname him the Iceman. Yay. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. And that ex-wife that, you know, you're going to leave anyway. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So Kuklinski first came to the attention of Pat Kane, a detective in the New Jersey State Police, when, with the help from an informant, Kane connected him to a gang who were carrying out burglaries in northern New Jersey and began building a file on him. So eventually, five unsolved homicides, namely the deaths of Hoffman, Smith, Deppner, Masgay, and Maliband, were linked to Kuklinski because he had been the last known person to see each of them alive. So finally, they're connecting the dots. Well, that's kind of weird, isn't it, Bailey? Mm-hmm, yeah, it was the last oh, one to see them all right He there. was the last one to see all of them? Sir, sir, what do you say about no. this? It wasn't me. You can't prove it. Well, you can't. I mean, like... If, what, you if, want to fight about it? You're making fun of my family? See what happens. <laughs> but you were the last one to see them alive. I mean, that can't be a coincidence. Are, can are, it? Are, are you saying my wife is stupid? I'll kill you. I'll shoot you five times in the chest. I mean, like what? <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. In 1985, a division of the New Jersey Criminal Justice Department created a task force composed of federal state, and local law enforcement agencies, including the New Jersey Attorney General's Office and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. ATF. (laughs) Dedicated to arresting the convicting Richard Kuklinski. Arresting and convicting Richard Kuklinski. The task force, nicknamed Operation Iceman, based its case almost entirely on the testimony of undercover agent ATF Special Agent Dominic Polyphrone and the evidence built by Kane. So they're assembling. Finally, finally they do make a task force. I know. You know it's serious when they make a task force, Kaylee. Seriously. You know, they could have just arrested him and just said, hey, did you kill him? Yes or no? We have proof. <laughs> no, we had to make a task force and set him up. Yeah. So finally he was tried and convicted. And after his murder convictions, Kuklinski gave interviews to writers, prosecutors, criminologists, and psychiatrists. He claimed to have murdered anywhere from 100 to 250 men, often in gruesome fashion. Most of these additional murders have not been corroborated. So again, we have that issue of... Is he just lying to sound cool? <laughs> Um, I don't know if he really did that because I don't know if it's possible. But um, I don't know what that that I don't know what that is. <laughs> so it's it's probably he killed at least you know ten or twenty people at least yeah. in my I mean, opinion. He... If he did work for the mafia and the mob, he, he, and if he thing. was a hitman, he would at least kill ten to twenty. Yeah, probably not as many as he said. Well, it's just like the Green River Killer. Yeah, he claimed so many murders. Yeah, kind of he was finish. a what did they call him a serial um liar confessor confessor yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah pathological liar. uh but kuklinski did receive two 60-year sentences one for killing smith and deppner and then the other for maliband and maske which he was to run concurrently he was to be ineligible for parole until he was 111 years old, the year 2046. He was incarcerated at Trenton State Prison, 
and he took the plea deals so his son and wife wouldn't get charges on them. Um, and then in October of 2005, after nearly 18 years in prison, Kuklinski was diagnosed with Kawasaki disease. And he died at the age of 70 on March 5th of 2006. So not very long ago. Kawasaki. Kawasaki disease. Yeah. I was like, Kuklinski, Kawasaki. It's really weird. It's like a really, it really is an unusual disease. Yeah. It's it's like a flu slash um, virus. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it sounds it sounds messed up but you know that's like a form of also covid and the flu and not really i know i know it's really well with kids kids can get it they had a bunch of cases in new york <sighs> from that the kids had covid and they had kawasaki so recently <sighs> yeah it's very interesting very very i mean i would say it's very sad but it's like kind of deserving yeah considering all that he did or potentially did so and that was like short version of the story Mm -hmm. honestly i skipped a lot of the trial and all of that because it is kind of like yeah it's it's a lot of detail and it was already going to be a really long story so he also um his interviews and stuff are really interesting yeah and they're out there yeah he tries to tell some of his personal stories Uh about how he killed him and stuff and it's like how would you know that unless you actually did kill him? Or you just looked it up Or somehow. he has a really messed up mind. Yeah. And he's able to just like... Which, you know, with the cats, I think he had the potential. If that's true. If it's true. I don't know where they got that information. If that's just him saying it or if they have like actual... Yeah. Uh, eyewitnesses to kind of corroborate. And that's the <laughs> problem is you never know if that, they're lying. Yeah, or... that creepy old man neighbor next door just looking at him and, oh, I used to love seeing him do that. It made me have joy. <laughs> or if there's neighbor kids. <sighs> uh, all right, Kaylee, you want me to try to do a little one? Or do you want me, or is that pretty good? Uh, no, you need to do a story. You can't get out of doing a story, Jeffrey. Dang it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're at 46. Okay. Yeah, you need to do a story. Why right. are you trying to get out of doing a story? All right. All right. I'll, I'll do mine, even though it'll be a long episode, guys. I guess. Well, thank you, Kaylee, for the Iceman thank story. Thank you. So, mine is the hook-handed boogeyman of Staten Island. Oh, <laughs> you... <laughs> How dare you what? try not to let me hear this story. It sounds amazing just by the title. I don't have that much, so I just... It sounds awesome. So, there's a guy named Cropsy. Cropsy? Yeah. Crop and then S-E-Y. Nice. So, he haunted the area at night and would drag wayward boys and girls to the deaths oh. in the ruins of the old Seaview Hospital. Great. Parents would spook their children with tales and warnings about Cropsy. Go to bed early or Cropsy will get you. That sort of thing, you know. That's terrible. There's so many of these. Hash swinging, the hash swinging slasher. Hash swinging slasher. Um, But the the Crosby legend actually became real one time in 1970 when serial killer Andre Ran allegedly began kidnapping the children of Staten Island. Though a suspect (sighs) in five cases, Ran was ultimately only convicted for two of them. Wow. Which was enough to earn him 50 years in life in prison and so and this one of this also story also had effect with the 
Candyman. Mm-hmm. You know how he has a... Oh, yeah. And also, I know what you did last summer and stuff. And Oh, that's all supposed to be kind of... Kind of like a weird, iffy... Interesting. Yeah. So, that's all I got for that little story. The hook man. I'm a hooker. <laughs> I was just thinking that. The hooker of Staten Island. Come here, little kids. It's terrible. So, um, here's my little, little thing. It's an act. This so there's a ta- stop. <laughs> Getting angry, Kaylee. I'll fight you. Let's fight. Give me a hook. I'll hook you up. Hook you up, man. <laughs> um. So there's a place called Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh. Yeah, Plattsburgh. U R G H. Yeah. So it's in in New York. It's an actual like town slash city. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a lot of haunted places there. Oh. So I want to tell you talk about one of them, the Air Force Base. <gasps> Ooh. So the it has been associated with many strange occurrences, but since it's no longer an active military base, its ghostly um, presence has been kicked up a notch. Ooh, that would be kind of creepy. An yeah. abandoned Air Force Base. Yeah. Can you imagine all the energy that was left behind? Yeah. Oof. Especially as old as one in New York. Yeah. So, um, there are many haunted spots at the old base, including the old gym, um, <laughs> was, was used, once used as a b- base morgue, and where, and where witnesses have heard screaming and pounding, and at the cemetery where ghost soldiers are said to march through the night, they also have been reports of spirits reenacting battles from the French and Indian War, wow. and a Revolutionary War, era ghosts who guards the base entrance, and even Civil War. Wow. So, like, five different, like, major wars. Wow. That's insane. So. And, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of energy, a lot of um, anxiety, a lot of even depression. Like, if you think about it, how many soldiers probably, I mean, there's, I don't know what the statistics are, but there's a lot of soldiers that commit suicide and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. imagine just all the different kinds of loss and energy and fear and Everything that's stored up in those walls and on the grounds. It's crazy. Yes. So there's even a notorious building 666. <gasps> of course. Which was once served as a base crematorium and now hosts a revolving door of soldierly ghosts. According to reports by some security guards, so they see other ghosts. <laughs> so I'm like, that's cool, I guess. So the old gym, the gym used to have an old morgue, you know, for mangled bodies and it was also an insane asylum at one point. Um, before that, it was an old army base for the Battle of, Plats- of Plattsburgh, 1812. Wow. Nice. That's a long time ago. There's been reports of screams throughout the night. People working the gym have heard pounding, you know, coming from the doors. Um, people have heard the w- weights being moved and heard people when no one was around. Oof. Sounds of people walking on the upper floor, which is now a, a track have been reported also. I think Ghost Adventures went there. Oh, really? It sounds kind of familiar. I think so, but I don't quite remember fully. They either. probably have. So, there's also the old side. There's a cemetery where many soldiers are buried. Uh, security police on patrol have reported many soldiers wandering through the cemetery. And that's where that, uh, that building number 666 is. Wow. And then there's a mil- military finance building. Used to be a surgical hospital. So, the, ba- the basement walls are set are still painted red to hide the bloodstains. Oh. 
And then security police. That's terrifying. Security police K9 units refuse to go into the basement of the building. I don't blame them. Okay, I, so if the dogs don't go into place, I would not. Do not go in, yeah. Don't. <laughs> there was a fire in one of the wings, causing many of the bed-ridden patients to be burned alive. Wow. Wow. That's so sad. People have report- reported hearing their screams. Oh, that's so, sad. And then it gets worse. How? The surrounding woods. <sighs> a long dead figure of a lady dressed in a white dress appears. She was reportedly killed by a robber. So this place wasn't a military place. A psych ward. A, a psych ward. Haunted There's a woods. crematorium. A creepy uh, basement. There's even people, a cemetery. People being burned alive. Oh, a creepy, like you said, a creepy forest and old battles between uh, the ancient Native Americans it's like and Zach Eastern. Baggins' wet dream. Yeah, that's what I was like, about to say. It's like everything. That is his trifecta. And this place is pretty big. It's pretty huge. Really? Yeah. That would be so fun so, to roam around. I mentioned like three or four of the buildings. Yeah. Yeah, there's like six or seven different parts of that. And then Ugh. this whole town, there's like a school. Yeah. There's, and then there's like a, a, a little mall kind of thing. Okay. So there's a lot of different places in this town that's really haunted. Wow. So. Terrifying. That's all I have though, Kaylee. Wow, that's it. Yeah, I'm kind of short. It, you tried to like cut it real short this week. Well, and it, look, it's still really short. Yeah. And hey, if we got like 50 minutes in, we're good. <laughs> you guys are good, right? Yeah, they they like hearing my voice rolling a little bit. They like you more. <laughs> I don't think so. So, that's all we have for New York, guys. Yeah, I know mine kind of was New York and New Jersey, but... He was a good mobster, ma- mafia man from Yeah, we New York. haven't covered too many mobsters or mafia people, so. I love mobsters and mafia people. I know. I, I really wanted to go more in depth, but it would have been like a three-part episode. Yeah, maybe one day we'll have to do a special or something. Yeah, we'll revisit it and maybe get some more details. and Maybe do the ice cream man. Maybe we'll conjure him from the dead. I don't know. I know, it's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I think that's it. We're going to be married next week. What? Oh, that's going to make me throw up. Stop saying that. They don't care about that. Kaylee. They want to hear about murder and okay, chaos and death. I'll cut it out. You don't have to cut it out. There's <laughs> no happiness here. Oh. <laughs> we only want death here. We just talked about people dying, getting butchered, and their like veins cut and arteries and everything. Uh, and yeah. Someone getting shot five times, they want to hear that happiness. But it's all about me. I know it is, Kaylee. <laughs> I know it's all about me, guys. Oh, no. no. It's all about us. And it's also about you. Because how can you, how can they find us, Kaylee? Jeff, you have to give us our weird law. Oh, yeah. You're trying you. to get out of everything today. Yes, I am. Sorry, guys. So <laughs> I saw this stupid law in stupid New York. Stupid law. That's what this website is, stupidlaws.com. Okay. So it says it's a stupid law, but I don't know if it's real or not. You know how I am skeptical. Toilets <laughs> must be evenly divided among... Among men and women in public theaters or arenas. So they have to make sure that they have, like, one for one. One for one. Interesting. What if the female has female bathroom has more bathroom? Bath- You're not supposed to. Have you what ever am been- I trying to say? Toilets. <laughs> have you ever been inside the men's room? Um, I mean, usually it's like I accidentally walk in and then I walk right out. You know how many urinals there are 
And how many <laughs> toilets there are? Uh, I can't say I do. There's normally three or four um, urinals for like one or two toilets. So okay. normally we have like ten, like six, one for the other. Well, women, women have, have to sit down to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's, that's why I say that women have more like six or seven like so cubicles, right? That's what you call them, cubicles? Stalls? Cubicles? Stalls, Stalls. yeah. yeah. So. Let me just, uh, I need to use the cubicle. <laughs> I'm going to invent something. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm so smart, I'm going to vent. Oh, God. You're going to vent? You're I'm, sus. Sus, suspect as... Oh, gosh. Okay, so that's what I got. So I was like, oh, nice. that's interesting. I'm like, that is very interesting. I wonder if someone's like, an inspector, like, aha, you're off by one urino. Fine, $8,000. You're fine. in a jail. Fine. 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 <laughs> I'm fine. I'm not okay. Oh, lordy. Well, that's right. very interesting. Thank you for that weird law. No problem, Kaylee. Thank you for your stories. And thank you for your story about the Iceman. Yeah, no problem. All right, all right. now can I actually say it? Can, <laughs> can I try now? Jeff just really wants to go, guys. I'm sorry. I, th- I was going to try and like talk to you a little bit, but Jeff just wants to go. So. Guys, I have pudding cups and pudding <laughs> oh my in my fridge. I have two different kinds. Is I have that pudding calling your name? That pudding and the pudding pop is calling <laughs> my name. I want it. Alrighty. Well, if you want some bonus content, you can find all of our bonus episodes on our Patreon. And that is patreon.com forward slash the United States of Horror. We are also on Instagram and Facebook the most. Instagram is United States of Horror at United States of Horror. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash United States of Horror. And then we have TikTok and Twitter, but we never go on there. Those are at US of Horror. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we've been really bad about posting lately. I'm so sorry. Yeah. How about you guys post for us? Post stuff, get more engaged, <laughs> talk, invite your friends. Oh yeah, family. we have our Facebook group that we have and it's a little bit, it's more private so that we can talk about stuff and have conversations and you don't have to feel judged yeah literally grab you and like five of your friends just yeah. join the group and just pretty much take over it yeah it's the united <laughs> states of horror fanatics on facebook and it's for horror fanatics of all kinds yeah um, send in your stories yeah. share like do all that stuff oh yeah email us your stories at um united states of horror at gmail.com and uh, you can listen to us on spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcasts google podcasts Spotify. Anchor. You, you know, we already said that. Anchor. <laughs> Anchor. Perfect. Yeah, you know, all that stuff. Share, like, subscribe, leave us a review. And is there anything else, Kaylee? I don't think so. I think we covered all all, all the grounds. Yeah, we're covered the what ground? I, I don't know. But, Isn't that the phrase? Am I getting yeah, it wrong? No, I'm just messing with you. Okay. <laughs> I was second guessing myself already, so. No, wait. Don't second guess. Second guess me. Okay. Okay. Well, Jeff here. Kaylee here. And we are the United, United States, States of, of Horror. Horror. And goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Nope. Bye. <laughs>